happening in the world coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. A Hawaiian couple is suing power companies over the devastating wildfires. The damage has reached $6 billion as the death toll grows. Maui residents are looking for their loved ones while Hawaiians pitch in water, clothes, and other necessities. Other survivors are gathered in churches looking for solace. A top Democrat says that Hunter Biden did, quote, a lot of unlawful things that followed the DOJ appointing a special counsel to oversee a probe into the president's son. Donald Trump was the star of the show at the Iowa State Fair this weekend, where Republican presidential hopefuls go to make their bid for the nomination. We hear about this lighthearted event and how it went for key candidates. Consumers are criticizing Skittles for one of its ads. Some are calling for boycotts. They say the ad is inappropriately targeting children. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, a couple in Hawaii is suing four power companies for the historic Maui wildfires. So far, at least 96 people have died in the fires, which have caused $6 billion worth of damage. According to Fox News, the lawsuit says the power companies ignored weather warnings and kept their power grids running. That was after a high wind watch and red flag warning from the National Weather Service. In a statement to Fox News, a Hawaiian electric spokesperson said the company can't comment on the pending case, but it is supporting emergency response efforts and working on restoring power. The spokesperson also said the cause of the fire has not been determined, but that Hawaiian Electric will cooperate with the local government as it investigates. The death count is expected to rise. At least 1,000 people are missing. Hawaiians are looking for missing loved ones, hoping they'll survive the fires. The community in Maui comes together at a family resource center and finds hope in church over the weekend. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest. June LaQuesta has spent the last four days looking for several close relatives following the Maui wildfires. He's posted photos of his missing family members on social media, but multiple shelters have been a dead end. Hopefully I get all the resources that can help them right now. So. But I will uh, continue until everything sir. Ed Gosman is one of the lucky ones. He left the resource center with good news about his brother and sister-in-law. I've been trying to locate my, my brother, Glenn, and my sister-in-law, Glee, and thank God um, through this family assistance uh, we're able to uh, have, get the world word that uh, they, they are safe. Other survivors gathered in churches on Sunday looking for solace. Hundreds of people attended services at King's Cathedral in Lahaina, which is also being used as a shelter. Pastor Kawi Keahi's church and home burned down, but he's finding hope. One thing I notice about Lahaina, we all come together, family with one purpose, and you know, I'm just excited for what the future holds, you know. Even though Lahaina, a lot of historic buildings have burnt, you know, and as bitter and, you know, and sad and grievous it is, you know, the sweet thing out of this is we get to rebuild Lahaina. He says circumstances like this can try his faith, but the sense of community builds it back up. I want what I'm experiencing right now. It's just a newfound love, a deeper love for each other. Crews of firefighters are still battling flare-ups, and cadaver dogs continue to search for victims' remains. Our entire island is 
been devastated by this, but um, uh, none more so than the individuals who are still looking for loved ones or know that they've already lost their loved ones. And um, so it's very somber inside. Nearly 100 people have been confirmed dead. Maui officials say the death toll will likely rise. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. As the search efforts continue in Maui, a steady stream of concerned Hawaiians are helping in any way they can. Shelters are accepting water, clothes, and diapers for wildfire survivors. Here's more on the relief efforts. The scale of the devastation from the Maui wildfires has just come into focus. The natural disaster is now the deadliest in Hawaii's history. Piles of debris smolder where the town of Lahaina once stood. I've seen a lot of wildfires growing up in Northern California. I was just like, when the smoke turned black, I was like, we need to get out of here. So this one's eating up the houses and stuff, so I don't know. It was crazy. It happened in like the span of a few hours, so it was, yeah, it was wild. People dropped off clothes and household goods in Honolulu on Saturday. Curran said it was a gut-wrenching scene, but he was glad to see people island-wide coming together to provide relief. If you look at the turnout today, it's amazing. The whole island's coming together. I got people on the mainland like donating and sending money and stuff and doing whatever they can. So if we keep this up, it should be the best we can, we can make it. Could be worse. Donations also poured in at War Memorial Gymnasium. Maui residents gathered to donate food and their time to help wildfire victims. Volunteers pushed pallets of water and handed out food. The Federal Emergency Management Agency provided medical services. Nambe Cardellini says the tragedy has left her and her community devastated, but she says the Maui Ohana spirit will help them get through it. It's pretty um, heartbreaking to see that amount of people just hanging out. And, uh, but the outpouring of donations, it's like that tent is constantly sorting clothes and all kinds of necessities and seems like we're, we're all sticking together. Local resident and volunteer Mark Rudd said the disaster has taken a toll on his mental health. But spending time at the War Memorial Gym has changed his outlook. I've been depressed. I've been, yesterday was a bad day. Coming down here made it a better day. The shelter is offering medical services and a missing person staff for families trying to locate family or friends. The Salvation Army and the Red Cross are also providing food and emergency shelter for those affected by the fires. Hawaiian authorities are encouraging those seeking to help to donate to the Maui Strong Fund, which is being organized by the Hawaii Community Foundation. If you wish to help, you can do so by visiting hawaiicommunityfoundation.org slash Maui Strong. After the break, former President Trump made a high-profile appearance at the Iowa State Fair. He was asked if he would comply with the newly issued protective order. And McDonald's is ditching ESG goals, at least on its website, where it's erased mention of the controversial goals. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back, everyone. A top Democrat has acknowledged that Hunter Biden, quote, did a lot of really unlawful and wrong things. Representative Jamie Raskin's statement comes after the DOJ appointed a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. What they've got is Hunter Biden, and we all seem clear 
that this guy was addicted to drugs and did a lot of really unlawful and wrong things. And we have said, let the justice system run its course. U.S. Attorney David Weiss has now been named special counsel. Raskin told ABC that Weiss can make decisions about what, where, and when to charge Hunter. The plea agreement Weiss arranged with Hunter that would likely have kept him out of jail for tax and gun charges has apparently fallen through. Raskin says Weiss now wants to be certain that he has the authority to bring charges wherever he wants. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy questioned the appointment, writing on X, if Weiss negotiated the sweetheart deal that couldn't get approved, how can he be trusted as a special counsel? What's more, House Oversight Chair James Comer said the move is an attempt by Biden's DOJ to stonewall congressional oversight of alleged corruption of the Biden family. Two witnesses are set to testify before a grand jury in Georgia's Trump case tomorrow. It's part of the investigation of alleged efforts to overturn election results in the state. Former Lieutenant Governor of Georgia Jeff Duncan confirmed Saturday that he was subpoenaed to testify. He says he looks forward to answering questions around the 2020 election. In his words, Republicans should never let honesty be mistaken for weakness. An Atlanta-based reporter also confirmed Saturday he's been asked to testify. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has indicated that potential indictments could be coming this week. Meanwhile, Trump seized the spotlight at the Iowa State Fair as Republican presidential candidates campaigned over the weekend. In a brief stop to talk to reporters, Trump was asked if he would comply with a protective order issued by the judge in the 2020 election case. The order limits what the former president can publicly say about evidence in the case. Do you plan to comply with the judge's order regarding the, the latest indictment? Well, I'll have to take a look at the order. It's, uh, the whole thing is a fake. It was put out by Biden, and they put it out because they can't win an election the fair way. It's all called election interference. Uh, Biden put it out because he can't win the fair way. He's way down in the polls. Trump arrived at the fair along with a dozen Florida House members, attracting thousands of supporters. Iowa is the first state to vote in the Republican presidential primary, and MAGA hat-wearing fans could be seen across the fairgrounds. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and GOP candidate Ron DeSantis also chatted with voters. Other candidates present include Vivek Ramaswamy and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. To discuss more about this fair and which candidate made the best impression, I spoke with Roger Simon, the director of the Presidential Roller Coaster 2024 and editor-at-large, of the Epic Times. Roger Simon, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Roger, how would you summarize Donald Trump's visit to the Iowa State Fair? <laughs> Theatrical, as always. I mean, Trump is a great showman. Everyone knows this. And therefore, the rest of the candidates look like <coughs> old fuddy-duddies going around eating hot dogs. Well, <laughs> that's what happens. They should have known that in advance. And what about Ron DeSantis's visit? Well, he's an example of that. You know, that, he, you know the, the, the big secret of the campaign, it's not such a secret anymore, is that Trump has always been a people person, and DeSantis is not that much of a people, people person. So uh, state fairs are not the best 
proving ground for DeSantis. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who hangs out with the folks. And, uh, you know, I've been to the state fair at an election year, years ago. And, you know, it's a festival of uh, food and hanging out and going on goofy rides. And, you know, you have to be loosey-goosey. To, of course, Trump is sort of, above all that, he just flies over it. And, and there, there they go. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Trump. And, uh, you know, who, who can compete with that? Yeah, you know, it sounds like a really fun time. Maybe I'll get there next year. Now, uh, Arizona TV host turned Republican politician Carrie Lake was also at the state fair there. Um, she's considering running for the Senate seat in 2024 in Arizona. What are her prospects? I think it, it's tricky, but I think she's got some good prospects. You know, you know, Arizona is that dicey state where no one knows the truth of how they do their elections. So, you know, she's going to be battling that. On the other hand, she's not uh, battling name recognition at this point. She's a highly recognizable figure. And, you know, it would be great to see someone like in the Senate. I mean, she's the kind of outspoken person we need in the Senate as opposed to some of the people who get there and say a lot of things on the campaign trail and then turn into drones when they, when they arrive. <laughs> Now, Roger, let's just look at this uh, potential fourth indictment. Um, Donald Trump is staring down a potential fourth indictment for his actions re uh, regarding the 2020 election in Georgia. What's your take on that? You know, these, you know, these impeachment indictments, these indictments and, one, and the first impeachment, they're, they're phone call indictments, essentially. Now, what's going on in Georgia, I think, is the blood sport of that state. I travel down to it frequently for my forthcoming book, um, American Refugees, and I went down there, and you smell, you know, anger in the streets all over Georgia, and it's sad. I mean, and I think this, uh, you know, the woman, the attorney in Georgia who's doing this is basically out to get Trump. Well, Roger Simon, director of the Presidential Roller Coaster 2024, thank you for your insight. Thank you. Consumers are criticizing a Skittles ad which supports the LGBT community. Some say it could negatively influence children. Here are the details. Skittles is using these five new designs in support of the LGBT community. One of the designs shows the sun and the moon walking on a rainbow while holding hands. One has the word pride in various colors, a mouth with the rainbow pouring out of it, and the words bi, ace, lesbian, queer, trans, and gay. Skittles has the slogan, taste the rainbow. Its website now states, we've given up our rainbow so that the LGBTQ community can share theirs. The design getting the most feedback online states, Black trans lives matter and joy is resistance. Dr. Robert Malone pointed out on Twitter that Black trans lives matter is the middle of a cartoon playground full of kids on the package. This is marketing aimed at children. Account Lips of TikTok wrote, Skittles is trying to turn your kids into BLM and LGBTQ activists. Their packaging also features a drag queen. Skittles is a product from the Wrigley Company, which is a division of Mars. NTD reached out to Mars for a statement, but didn't immediately hear back. The new ad was created in collaboration with the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. It's the fourth year Skittles partnered with them. 
Some are criticizing the campaign and calling on people to stop buying Skittles. Others don't seem to mind too much. One user wrote that Skittles' slogan is "Taste the rainbow after all." McDonald's has removed a number of mentions of ESG from its website. That's as the environmental, social, and governance framework has recently come under close scrutiny. A new study showed that companies with high ESG scores pollute as much as those with low ratings. An analysis by Bloomberg shows the burger chain's purpose and impact website recently removed several ESG terms. One web page has changed its title from "Performance and ESG Reporting" to "Goal Performance and Reporting." On a separate page, the title used to show ESG approach and progress, but now displays our approach and progress. And some ESG abbreviations were replaced by the phrase "environmental and social issues." When reached by the outlet, McDonald's declined to comment on the changes, but the fast food chain said it remains committed to annual reporting on its progress on social and environmental goals. A Texas judge orders three Southwest airline lawyers to attend religious freedom training. He says they improperly carried out his initial order when he reinstated a fired flight attendant. The judge also said the airline needs to send a short notice to all its flight attendants about the protections on religious speech. Southwest fired flight attendant Charlene Carter after she expressed her views on abortion on social media. Southwest said this violated its civility policy. After the judge ordered her reinstated, he also ordered Southwest to notify employees that it may not violate their religious freedom rights. But Southwest's notice fell short of that and basically kept the disputed speech policy in place. The judges said that quote Southwest needs to understand when communicating with its employees that federal protections for religious freedom override any company civility policy. The judge ordered the company to send a new notice with wording that makes vividly clear the protections on speech. Allegations of abuse of power and First Amendment violations are being made after police raided a Kansas newspaper last week. Police effectively closed down the Marion County record, seizing phones, computers, and their file server. Police served a warrant on the small town newspaper after suspecting its involvement in the identity theft of a local business owner. The warrant was signed by a local judge, but usually police are required to get a subpoena for materials taken from journalists. Local police chief Gideon Cody says there are exceptions to the subpoena requirement if there is reason to believe the journalist is involved in wrongdoing. He also said when the truth becomes public, the justice system will be vindicated. The owner and publisher of the newspaper, Eric Meyer, says he plans to sue the city of Marion and the individuals involved in the raid. The Marion County Record says its 98-year-old co-owner collapsed on Saturday and died. The newspaper attributes Joan Meyer's death to stress after what it called the illegal raid on her home and the newspaper's office. NTD could not verify the state of Joan Meyer's health before the warrant was served, or her cause of death. Still to come, a watchdog report says the IRS blocked tens of thousands of taxpayers from refunds and stimulus checks because it claimed they were dead. And is China's property crisis at a breaking point? Are more defaults coming? And what does this mean for Americans? We'll have the details soon when we return.
Thanks for staying with us, everyone. The IRS refused to pay some stimulus checks during the pandemic, wrongly claiming some taxpayers were dead. That's according to a report from the Treasury's Office of Inspector General. The report says some taxpayers were told their accounts were locked when attempting to access stimulus checks. The Inspector General says the deceased account lock is designed to prevent the filing of fraudulent tax returns. The office also said that tens of thousands of accounts were deadlocked, meaning that taxpayers didn't get their stimulus payments and were also blocked from filing tax returns or getting tax refunds. According to the report, management said both human and computer programming issues were to blame. $709 per month. That's how much more expensive life is now compared to two years ago for the average American family. Let's hear from Vance Ginn, president of Ginn Economic Consulting, about what this inflation means. Vance Ginn, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Vance, what does losing an extra $700 a month mean to the average American family? It means a lot. I mean, this is something that's going to hit them in their pocketbook, and it has been for the last couple of years. Just over the last two years, the cost of paying for the average basket of goods and services that a typical household would buy has went up by more than $700, and their incomes have not been increasing at the same rate, which means that they're starting to fall behind on their credit card bills, um, even their rent, a lot of other things that they wouldn't be able to pay for before. They're really having to make some tough choices each and every month. That's right. Yeah, there were times in my life where an extra $700 a month would have been uh, crushing. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, especially if you're a college student, you're fresh into your career where you're really just starting to get on your feet again, or maybe you have multiple kids and you're starting to get them back to school. Um, you're getting the clothes for school and the backpacks and everything else. This could be a really tough time. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen that inflation has started to have some disinflation. It started to slow down the growth rate, but it's still growing. It's still more than what it was last year, even if it's around 3.2% is what the latest consumer price index showed. Um, so we're still seeing a lot of hurt for many families across the country. And Vance, what can families do to protect their money from the effects of inflation? Well, it, it's tough because, I mean, you've got to put food on the table, you've got to buy gas, um, you've got to buy you know, clothes and everything else. Um, but what I would say is that if you have the opportunity to do so is to save, you know, save money, put money into a, a savings account or a, an investment account or something else. That way you have funds to live on whenever inflation continues to rise. Um, the other thing is, is to look for cheaper options. Look for the off-brand items at different stores and things of that nature, which a lot of people already have. And I think that's what more people will have to do for a while until this inflationary pressure is under control. Now, what do you think needs to be done on a policy basis to give the average American family a leg up in, in the near future? You know, it's a great question. It's one that I think hope that many in Congress and the president and others are really considering right now. Um, and where I would start is at the state level. There's, it's difficult to get a lot of things done in Congress right now. So states should really bring in their government spending, not spending as much, cutting taxes, cutting regulations. That will help to unleash the private sector and allow for more production and supply. And at the federal level up in D.C., I mean, they've got to get their spending under control because that's racking up massive amounts of debt that the Federal Reserve, the 
the central bank is then printing and putting more money into the economy, which drives this inflation across the economy. And so when you start really focusing in on this, we need less government spending, we need lower taxes, lower regulation, and less money printing. If we get that done, we'll get inflation under control and we'll have a, a more robust economy. Now, Vance, I found this kind of interesting. Investors are optimistic the Fed is done raising interest rates, at least for now. Why is that? I think part of it is, is that they do see some disinflation, where inflation last year was around 9% year-over-year growth rate, um, and now it's closer to 3%. That's still above the, the Federal Reserve's target interest rate, or target inflation rate, which is an average of about 2%. So I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And while the Federal Reserve may not continue to raise interest rates, which is at 5.5% now, the highest in more than 20 years, uh, which is also hurting a lot of families in the process, um, they do need to cut their balance sheet. The balance sheet that they have is still around, you know, over $8 trillion, more than double what it was before the pandemic. And that is really what drives a lot of the inflationary pressures in the economy. And so I think that's something we really want to look at. Vance Ginn, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Is China's property crisis at a breaking point? Here to discuss is NTD Business's Don Ma. Don, what's happening with China's property sector? So, Chris, it's a pretty complicated situation, started a few years ago. But long story short, Chinese officials saw that major Chinese property developers were taking on too much debt. And then they wanted to rein in that debt. But their efforts actually eventually led to a series of major defaults by Chinese property giants uh, in 2021. Um, Chris, I'm sure you've heard about Evergrande. And... Those defaults undermined confidence in the sector, which in turn led to many home buyers um, who already bought for apartments not receiving the, the apartments that they bought, which then led to a decline in home sales. So the latest news in the Chinese property sector is that one of China's best known devel developers, Country Garden, its shares slumped to record lows. And and this is after the company halted trading of nearly a dozen onshore, onshore bonds. So Country Garden plunged more than 18, 18% on Monday in Hong Kong. It's, it's a big deal. Don, are we likely to see Country Garden default on its debt? Well, you know, Chris, it's hard to say, but what we can say for sure right now is that the company is in a tough spot. So Country Garden missed uh, bond coupon payments worth $22 million last week, which is raising um, the risk of, of a default um, if it cannot make the repayment within a 30-day grace period. The Chinese developer said that it's facing the biggest challenges since establishment. Um, it said this in a statement on Friday night. It, it is possible that Country Garden may have learned experiences of its peers and perhaps it's considering not paying some debts to survive, to stay liquid. Um, here, here's some numbers for you, Chris. Country Garden had 1.4 trillion yuan of liabilities as of December 2022, and it expects to have a net loss ranging between 45 billion and 55 billion for the first half of 2023. Um, this is according to a filing with the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And it still faces about 35 billion yuan worth of bond maturities through January, according to JP Morgan. 
And Chris, this is not all. To add salt to injury, Country Garden um, said, said in a report that 60% year-on-year um, sales have slumped in its uh, property sector. Is, this all, is all this likely to impact the China's uh, broader economy, Don? I think so, Chris. Um, we have to understand that it's not just Country Garden that is experiencing debt problems. A number of Chinese property developers, in fact, are experiencing the same thing. And of course, this is going to weigh on China's economy. Um, we have to understand that China's huge property industry was long time an important engine of economic growth. It's accounting for as much as 30% of the country's GDP, more according to some other estimates. And liquidity risks will remain unless property sales improve to higher levels. But, you know, it, it's, it's hard to do. It, it, improving sales hold, holds the key to solving the developer's liquidity problems in the long term. Uh, but it's not going to be easy because Chinese households have grown reluctant to purchase new homes. And data shows this. Um, the, the contracted sales of China's top 100 developers fell 33% year on year and also 33% uh, month over month. So if property sales remain soft, Chris, the developers' liquidity pressure will be aggravated. And if they're not able to get refinancing from banks at the same time when their cash flow is reduced um, and and on top of this, they still need to service maturing debt. So there, there's a lot of hurdles that, that are facing the, the, the property sector. How could all, all this affect the United States? Um, well, I, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the U.S. because everyone who's had exposure to China's property sector ha have seen this coming for, for a long time. It's not going to be a surprise to anyone. And because of that, they, they've had time to take into account all the factors. They've had time to adjust, make appropriate um, um, adjustments. So I think it won't have uh, an impact because it won't be a huge surprise to them. All right. Thanks, Don. Will the cage fight between Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Tesla CEO Elon Musk actually happen? Zuckerberg now says Musk doesn't appear to be taking it seriously, although it may be that the two have a differing vision. The two prominent tech moguls accepted a cage fight challenge in late June, but an actual date was never announced. Musk has said that a live stream of the event would be hosted on Twitter and Meta Systems. Zuckerberg has said he offered a real date for the fight and that UFC president Dana White agreed to make it official. Zuckerberg says Musk won't confirm a date. He says he needs surgery and asks to do a practice round in Zuckerberg's backyard instead. Musk previously said that he recently got an MRI scan and that there is a problem with his shoulder blade rubbing against his ribs. He said recovery from minor surgery will only take a few months. He wants the fight held in a historic setting in Italy. He also doesn't want it organized by the UFC, but instead by the foundations of the two competitors. Coming up, Taiwan won't bow to authoritarian threats. Its vice president made those remarks during a quick stop in the U.S. And Russia's ruble tumbled past 100 per dollar for the first time in over a year. What does it mean? Who's to blame for the plunge? More shortly here on NTD News Today.
back to the news. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. A Hawaiian couple is suing four power utilities over the Maui wildfires. They accuse the companies of ignoring weather warnings and keeping the grid running. Meanwhile, survivors are searching for missing relatives and finding hope at church and in the abundant aid from other Hawaiians. Representative Jamie Raskin said during an interview with ABC that Hunter Biden, quote, did a lot of unlawful and wrong things. That's after U.S. Attorney David Weiss was named special counsel in the probe. Trump attended the Iowa State Fair, attracting thousands of supporters. Other Republican presidential hopefuls also attended to meet voters in the early primary state. Taiwan's vice president says the island doesn't fear authoritarian threats. That was during a short stopover in the U.S. Current Taiwan Vice President William Lai said the island will not back down in the face of, quote, authoritarian threats, though he also repeated a willingness to talk to Chinese officials. Lai is officially on a transit stop to Paraguay, one of 13 countries to maintain formal ties with Taiwan, which China claims as its own. In a video released by Taiwan's presidential office, Lai was seen addressing supporters, said to be at a lunch in New York. No matter how great the threat of authoritarianism is to Taiwan, we will absolutely not be scared or cower. We will, without a doubt, uphold the values of democracy and freedom. Taipei and Washington both called Lai's stop over there and another in San Francisco on his way back routine, but Beijing has denounced them and labeled Lai a separatist troublemaker. Taiwan officials say China is likely to launch military drills this week near the island. They expect Chinese forces to use Lai's U.S. stopovers as a pretext to create a fear of war among voters in Taiwan ahead of next year's election. China carried out war games around the island in April after Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen visited California on a transit from Central America. Russia's ruble has fallen to a 16-month low against the U.S. dollar. The currency is taking a beating from Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Analysts say the nation's central bank faces some tough decisions. The Russian ruble slid past 101 per U.S. dollar on Monday to reach its weakest points in almost 17 months. President Vladimir Putin's economic advisor blamed the slump on the country's central bank. In a sign of growing discord among Russia's monetary authorities, Maxim Oreshkin said soft monetary policy had weakened the ruble and accelerated inflation. He further wrote in an op-ed for Russia's TASS news agency that he wanted a strong ruble and expected a normalisation soon. Oreshkin's intervention could push the central bank into action ahead of its next scheduled interest rate decision in September. Economist Ian Melkumov said the central bank faced some tough decisions. For the past, well, at least for the past several weeks, everyone was expecting that, okay, the ruble slide shall stop somewhere pretty soon because it's, it's been, oh, it's, it's overshot its, uh, you know, uh, markets, uh, objective market levels. But uh, the ruble slide continued, it continued, it continued, and I think uh, it will take some hard decisions by the central bank like increasing the key rate, the interest rates, by at least a percentage point, maybe more than one percentage point, to stop the ruble decline. The central bank hiked rates by 100 basis points in July to 8.5% after holding steady for months. 
The bank has been signalling more hikes are needed ahead of next month's key meeting. It's blamed the ruble's sharp slide this year on Russia's shrinking balance of trade. The ruble has lost about a quarter of its value against the dollar since Russia sent troops into Ukraine in February last year. The following month, it hit a record low of 120 against the dollar, but it recovered to a more than seven-year high a few months later due to capital controls and surging export revenues. Before the war, the ruble traded at around 75 to the dollar. To stop the ruble's current slide, Russia could reintroduce tougher capital controls. Another option would be to raise interest rates, which the central bank is already minded to do due to high inflation. But that limits economic growth potential and means higher borrowing rates for the government. That as it tries to fund military operations in Ukraine. Coming up, an air show in Canada dazzles spectators over the weekend. NTD has highlights from the spectacle and experiences from attendees. And a new method to diagnose brain diseases, such as Alzheimer's. Scientists find a direct connection between the skull bone and the brain. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News Today. Welcome back, everyone. World-class aerial performances were on full display in British Columbia, Canada over the weekend. NTD visited the sold-out Abbotsford International Air Show to talk to onlookers and enthusiasts about the experience. From the U.S. Air Force F-35 to the P-51 Mustang and Corsair of World War II, the Abbotsford International Air Show showcased a wide range of military aircraft to dazzle spectators and enthusiasts. It's great, we're just getting started, but it's neat seeing the big military planes flying. Attendees visited static military and civilian displays and had a chance to meet crews and explore inside and outside the different aircraft. Incredible, yeah, my uh, son who's 12, we're uh, looking at all the different planes and different arm, uh, military vehicles and general aviation planes. It's been great to look at them all. Amazing, did you see the last plane? Oh my Lord, spinning around up and down, it was great. Really enjoying it. Amazing too, yeah, really good. Yeah, proud to be a Canadian. The Canadian Forces Snowbirds executed synchronized acrobatic maneuvers and close formation flying for the crowd. I'm actually a pilot myself and to see them, uh, all their dedication and hard work to uh, practicing and um, studying and doing all the stuff that they do, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I appreciate it and yeah, awesome job for them for sure. The Abbotsford Air Show first started in 1962 to promote aviation at the Abbotsford Airport. Some find the annual tradition inspiring. Hanging out with my son, watching the snowbirds, and like he was saying that he wanted to start learning how to fly when he's older, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, if he if he wants to get into it, great. But then like other aviators too, like young, the young generation coming up, if they're into it, like that's that's awesome. I came all the way from Calgary to attend this air show particularly. And uh, being myself a commercial pilot, I'm looking forward to, to do like a, like a fly, like a jet or something here. My friend's leaving back to the States here at the end of the summer, so we wanted to do just something fun. And I personally, I always want to be a pilot, so I'm going to be going for my license soon. And just, I've always just loved aviation. Awesome. It's just, just a lot of fun. One of the show's highlights is the heritage flight that blends past and present day marvels. The weekend event finished off with twilight and drone shows.
a new way to detect Alzheimer's by looking at the skull. Through early detection, doctors may be able to prevent brain diseases. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the research. Research lead Ali Ertuk and his team at the Helmholtz Institute in Munich have made a fascinating discovery. Direct connections between the skull's bone marrow and the surface of the brain. Turns out the skull itself contains a lot more information about brain diseases than we knew before. We can generate very high resolution images. So for the first time, all the samples together, so that means um, skull, meninges, brain, all this compartments together, we could see them cell by cell, end to end. The team developed a method to make organs and bones transparent. The approach provides a much closer look at the cell structure of the skull and the brain. We know that MR and PET, they are very big machines, right? So our vision is that as skull is just the surface, we don't need to put people into MRI machine, but potentially using smartwatches or uh, small detectors. The team found that information from the skull mirrors info from the brain. The changes correspond to the progression of such diseases as Alzheimer's and stroke. So this actually monitoring in the skull can also allow us to do early diagnostics, right? Because again, because it's so easy, maybe it, everyone will be always connected to this monitoring and we will see as soon as there is some disease starting. Technologies like ultrasound could monitor underlying brain tissue by scanning the skull itself. It reveals inner um, structures, how the organs function at very detailed level without really breaking it. So that is really um, the key, that was the key for us to discover that the human skull can interact with the brain and that can help us to tackle brain diseases. The technology could soon reduce the need for periodic MRI and PET scans. You can't prevent anxiety disorder, but you can take steps to decrease the presence and severity of symptoms. This includes decreasing stress, choosing healthy foods, and taking advantage of exercise. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Anxiety is a typical stress response and can be beneficial. It can make us aware of danger or it can help us to stay alert to protect ourselves. Anxiety can motivate us to prepare for important events like a big test or a job interview. Anxiety disorders, however, are different from normal feelings of anxiety. These disorders can be debilitating. They often involve feelings of intense and excessive worry and fear. These episodes of fear and panic are often out of proportion to the potential danger of the situation. Anxiety disorders compromise the most common group of mental disorders. Over 40 million US adults are affected. The incidence of anxiety disorders is also increasing. From 1990 to 2019, the number of anxiety disorders worldwide increased by 50%. There are several types of anxiety disorders, including agoraphobia, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, separation anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, and specific phobias. Anxiety disorders manifest in different ways depending on the individual. Symptoms that may indicate an anxiety disorder include disruption of day-to-day -day activities due to avoiding certain places or activities out of fear, restlessness, problems concentrating, feeling on edge, trouble sleeping, cold sweaty hands, dry mouth, muscle tension, heart palpitations, 
feeling panic or fear, ongoing worry about losing a particular person, nightmares centered around separation, and refusal or fear of being away from a particular person. What causes an anxiety disorder in one person may be very different from another. For any individual, several factors are likely at play, including genetic, developmental, and environmental factors. Anxiety can be caused by certain medicines, substance abuse, trauma, childhood experiences, and chronic stress. Anxiety disorders are usually diagnosed through a comprehensive set of tests. These are conducted by a mental health professional like a licensed therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist. Treatment of an anxiety disorder should be conducted on a case-by-case -case basis. Not everyone with an anxiety disorder needs treatment. Some can manage their disorder without too much stress and disruption to their lives. Treatment is crucial when the patient is suffering significant distress such as depression, substance abuse and suicidal ideation. Mindset can play a significant role in how people experience and manage anxiety. Maintaining a positive or growth mindset can change how you perceive and understand situations. Often, anxiety is fueled by distortions of cognition such as catastrophizing. This is where you anticipate the worst case scenario. Train yourself to develop a more balanced mindset rooted in realistic thinking. A few natural solutions can help mitigate symptoms. These include diet, exercise and supplements. Inflammation appears to play a key role in anxiety, so an anti-inflammatory diet is key. Emphasize plant-based foods including fatty fish, choose healthy fats, limit or avoid processed foods and add some spices. According to numerous studies, physical activity can also decrease symptoms of anxiety. If you don't exercise regularly, start with a light 5-minute stroll and build from there. And finally, our last tip, some herbs and supplements can have a powerful effect on anxiety. These include lavender, ashwagandha, passionflower, and vitamin D. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers. Thank you.